where I would wake up with butterflies each morning for many years. I'd get shortness of breath just going into work. My mind was like a balloon, filling up with air and deflating, filling and deflating again, till it was all stretched and the life was gone from it. I was totally phobic about what my life was going to be. To make things worse, I'd just been put on strict doctor's orders to give up my most effective coping mechanism. My cigarettes. So I took up walking. Slow expectations. The morning walk, when I began it, was five kilometres, three miles long. It was winter, and the dawn was unappealing. I'd ask my partner Tom to drop me off on his way to work just to take the choice out of it. He'd boot me out of the car and leave me stranded with only my two feet to carry me. From there on I was alone, out in the cold, and often apprehensive. My route took me on a meandering stomp through dense woodland. Although the path led me through undergrowth, occasionally I would poke my head out between branches to emerge at a wide, expansive vista, with a view right over the downs. On a clear morning, I could look out from the top of a hill and see London shimmering in the distance. From the very first week that I moved to the countryside, I took this walk each and every day. It started as a way to cope, no more and no less. I had no expectations of it. Walking was just to give some kind of structure to the days that otherwise sprawled ahead of me as I worked from a desk at home, trying to feel out a new path for my business. And my walks provided a distraction from the yawning call of my tobacco cravings. Over time, though, they have become my centre and my lifeline, asking only for my steady commitment and giving back infinitely more. Early Encounters My initial encounters with the woodland showed me just how far I'd strayed from myself. At the beginning it was manic. I was walking and walking and talking in my mind, trying to frame my life to date, to work out who I was, what I was doing, and just how I'd ended up talking to myself in a field in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes I'd stop sharp, only to realise I was singing to myself loudly. My nerves were never so apparent as when on one of my early exploratory routes, I came to a small stream. Over the stream was a simple plank bridge. It's not that I'd never seen a stream before. As a child, I'd grown up rurally. And in truth, this was little more than a brook. I came towards it, striding boldly at my usual frantic pace. But as I drew nearer, I began to freak out. I don't know how to get over this. I don't know how to get over this. The voice of panic rose strongly, near overwhelming me. After a long hesitation, I gathered myself. Who was I to balk at the prospect of a few steps across a friendly wooden beam? I couldn't believe, after coming this far, that I'd lost that instinctive part of me the part that knew how to do things bravely and simply. I'd lost touch with the quick, easy courage of someone at home in their natural environment.
comfortable in a forest or grassland teeming with unpredictable life. I was almost floored by the fear. I took a deep breath and ran across. Other encounters called for a different kind of courage. I carried my stick in part for company, but in part to ward off moody highland cows, whose presence on the hills loomed large in my imagination. Often in those early days, before I had the company of Nell, my sheepdog, I'd walk into a field to a sense of presence. It would take a good minute or two to realise that just a short distance away, among the ferns, was a muntjac deer standing and peering out at me. We would stand there stock still, each fixed by the other's gaze. Things were changing. Slowly, slowly. Finding a pace.